Hello everyone, I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Route to the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural, urban, food producers, food consumers, and we do it around the world. Joining us from around the world, Cape Town, South Africa, Professor Tim Noakes. This has been a long time in coming, but that's because you're high in demand. How are you today? Very well, Trent, and looking forward to this discussion we're going to have today. I just love your your outfit. You look fantastic. <laughs> have you Have you been to Nebraska? You know, I had one of the most remarkable years of my life was spent in Los Angeles. I know which is a different part of the world. <laughs> but but I was a high school student and it was in a high school exchange and we traveled across America at the end. We traveled from Los Angeles to Washington, D.C. So I saw the whole country. We got to Ohio, but we never got any further north in in the Midwest. So we, no, I didn't get to Nebraska. But I follow the University of Nebraska football. I've always had an interest in the Cornhuskers. Well, we used to follow the Cornhuskers. <laughs> right now, we follow women's volleyball because we are a contender for national championships each year. And then, and the football program is on the mend. How about we put it that way? Okay, good. I mean, from a, a medical professional standpoint, you understand being on the mend, right? We've had a wound. We've had an open yeah. wound. We, we've sewn it up, and now we're waiting for it to heal and get back to functioning. <laughs> Fantastic. Great to hear. <laughs> uh, so I was driving home. I, I, I've been aware of your work for quite some time, and one day I'm driving home from North Dakota. This was quite a while ago, may, maybe back in January. And I heard the most fantastic discussion. And I'm going to set this up because I'm in the livestock business, Professor. I I have actually cared for daily one million animals in my lifetime. I'm 56 years old, and that would be a combination of goats, of beef cattle, of pigs, of uh, horses. Currently, we have pigs, horses, and beef cattle. And in 1986... We started feeding our livestock for gut health because Dr. Fred Madsen, this nutritionist, was all about, Trent, everybody else is trying to feed for least cost gain and performance and all of these other things. You have to feed for gut health first. And when you build the gut health and you get the right colonies in the gut and you decolonize the bad stuff and you get the good bacteria working, you feed your immune system and everything else works. We were doing that in the livestock business in 1986. And all of a sudden, the human world is saying, hey, wait a minute, I think gut health is important. How does that hit you? Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, You know, I I love to speak to nutritionists who are working with veterinarians and animals because they know a thousand times more than the nutritionists who deal with humans. And the obvious reason is what you describe. You you have an outcome. You have to produce an animal that is a particular size, etc., in order to survive. Or you work for people who've got massive uh animals that that they're producing a large number of animals and those animals have to be healthy and well and the outcome's critically important in medicine the outcome's immaterial <laughs> that's literally the only people who measure their outcomes are the surgeons because they've got an immediate problem which they have to solve but in in medical care there's there's no outcome so if i give a patient the wrong diet and they die 10 years later well that's just too bad that would never be allowed to happen in veterinary medicine. 
Mm-hmm. So the fact that these people were way ahead it doesn't surprise me one iota. How did you get to this point? I got to this point because I wrote a book called Law of Running, and it's a very well-recognized book globally, and it promoted a high-carbohydrate diet. And in 2010, I read the book, the, 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 Atkin, the New Atkins for the New You, and written by three guys whom I knew as good scientists. And when I saw this, the word Atkins and saying that Atkins was prescribing a healthy diet, I got really angry because I'd mm. been told the opposite. I trained in cardiology with the, the experts, and they'd said, you've got to eat vegetable oils, and you've got to get rid of the saturated fat, and you've got to eat lots of carbohydrates. And I'd done that for 33 years, and my health had deteriorated progressively. And then I read this book, and I was so angry, I went and bought it immediately, because I said, how could these three great scientists prostitute themselves by using the name Atkins. So I read the book and within two hours I said, oh my gosh, I got it wrong for 33 years. It didn't take long to realize that they quoted 150 studies which disproved everything that I believed in. And I said, but why have I not been told those studies? Why don't I know anything about them, even though I'm meant to be an expert in sport and nutrition? And so when I read that, and I changed that day, and that was now 12 years ago or so, and I've never been healthier. I mean, I've just, it turns out I had type 2 diabetes at that time. And as soon as I changed my diabetes, well, not as soon, but over three or four years, my diabetes reversed. And uh, I'm actually living on borrowed time because my dad died of type 2 diabetes 10 years after the diagnosis, and I'm well over 10, 12 years from the diagnosis. So I, it was it was an absolute miracle for me. And so then I started promoting it. I got into real trouble. I lost all my funding. And then I was charged by my pro- medical profession for, for pre- spreading misinformation, etc. Went to court for four years. I won the case, but nothing changed. They a, the dietary guidelines in South Africa never changed. The, what the dietitians tell their patients didn't change. And no one said, sorry, you were right <laughs> to me. Right. It, it's just, it's mind-boggling to think that, that somebody can have the information presented and start talking about it. And then there's such a censorship to come in. And obviously, uh, you know, I'm very familiar with uh, the Beck, uh, the Fetke situation. Belinda Fetke joins me regularly, and she was the one who said, you got to get Professor Tim Noakes on and what her husband has dealt with. But the the power of these corporations that want to just shut down anybody telling the truth is quite mind-boggling, particularly when it comes to, at the end of the day, we're improving human lives. Hmm. You know, I... I, I be, I, I'm skeptical, but I'm even more skeptical than I've ever been with this the the so-called COVID the COVID virus and the so-called vaccine. And I realized that the nutritional story was actually to harm people's health. That's why it was introduced, because the evidence is so clear mm-hmm. that if anyone doesn't see it, then there's a reason why they don't see it. And people say, oh, it's because industry is controlling the medical schools and the nutrition schools. And and that's true, but but actually they're all prescribing this diet that's harming people, and the evidence is absolutely clear, and nothing changes. So I've become so skeptical 
that I believe that the forces are actually against us and they're trying to harm us. And it's about time that people need to realize that. And so my work and the work of my foundation is just trying to tell people these are the facts and you need to realize that nutrition is the number one determinant of your health. It's the number one determinant. And it's very simple that nutrition is incredibly simple, but you have to sort it out for yourself and you have to stop listening to the so-called experts. Really, and, and I want to give the information about your foundation and, and how people can help to continue your excellent work. But all you need to do is look at the trends in the United States. And I know this is a global scenario, but I have access to the trends in the United States since 1977. If you look at what cardiovascular disease, what uh, diabetes, and what cancers have done, they continue to just skyrocket while we tell people to eat the very foods that cause that problem. And it's almost like talking to a vegan who says, well, then you're just not vegan enough. (laughs) At at what point do you just stop and say, whoa, this isn't working? What's diabetes, type 2 diabetes and Alzheimer's continues to be a problem? When do people say, I need a better source of information? Yeah, I I just don't know because you know we've been trying for 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 many years now to get people to think differently, and it's it's almost impossible because the people that they trust give them the other information. And the problem is, as I understand it, there's only about twenty percent of the population who will question and actually try and find out the facts for themselves. So eighty percent of the population just believe what they're told, and it's extremely difficult to get them to change. You know, I've just uh, given a lecture for for our nutrition network on the dietary guidelines. I, so we go back to 1977, uh, and I review the evidence they I, had at that I, time. I, I'm sorry, folks. I'm sorry. I hate to do this. I, my mom said never interrupt anybody, but I need to because we got to go to a break. We will continue with Professor Tim Noakes joining us from Cape Town. I want to quickly remind you that Perotic Auction, the sale in Belfouche was yesterday. There are two more land auctions coming up for Perotic Auction. Get more details about that. And while we're talking about South Dakota, North Dakota, Lignite Energy continues to be a leader in what is going on in the world of providing electricity. We need a reliable source of energy, and that is lignite coal. Only 800 years of lignite coal left, so that's what's really going on. That's how we've been lied to about even our energy supply. We'll be back with more. Lignite.com, by the way. We'll be back with more Professor Tim Noakes. Roll out after this. The program, right back to our conversation with Professor Tim Noakes from Cape Town, South Africa. Yes, Tim, my mother did tell me, never interrupt people when they're talking. I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry, Mom. All right. So you were about to tell us a a lecture that you gave, and you're referencing 1977. So I I went back over the 1977 dietary guidelines and the evidence they had, and they've just speculated that everyone, even these experts, the cardiac cardiology experts, they're saying, well, it's probable that if we do this, if we change our diet dramatically, we'll get better. But, you know, the basis was the claim that Americans in the 1900s were eating a cereal and grain-based diet. And then they suddenly went to meat, and the meat caused the heart disease. Mm-hmm. And then we've got to go back to the cereals and grains, which supposedly Americans were eating 
in the 1900s, but that was nonsensical. They weren't eating a cereal grain-based diet in the 1900s. The cereals and grains start after the 1970s when Earl Butts starts the, the industrialization of maize growth and so on. And that's when it really starts. And everyone's told to eat the high-carbohydrate diet. And then the Americans do shift to a grain-based diet, but they weren't there first off. And so the, the, all the evidence was nonsensical. And one of the guys, in fact, Gavin, Senator McGovern, who who was in charge of the committee, uh, he he made the point that we've got this, we don't have the evidence, you know, but but it looks like it's suggestive that it might be beneficial. And the cardiologist who advised him said exactly the same. We said, we've got these studies running at the moment. And what they didn't know was that those, those studies were already proving the harm that's caused by the dietary change. But because the studies, at least one of the studies, was so devastating because it disproved that moving towards the grain-based diet was healthy, they just they hid it for 20 years. The study was hidden, and it was only discovered in, 19, in 2016. So they had to wait to find out the evidence, but they didn't bother. And then industry got behind it and... And the whole the whole lipid hypothesis that if we could lower your cholesterol, you'd live longer. That's that statin drugs came along, and and the story was lost. And it's also funny because because in 2014, just before I was put on trial, at a I was giving a lecture debate, and a cardiologist got up and said, "Doctor Noakes, you're a murderer," because I told a lady that she shouldn't take her statins because they don't work. The statin drugs to lower cholesterol. They don't work. So off since so eight years later, he suddenly writes me this letter and he asked me, Are you still promoting this cholesterol isn't important theory? And are you still eating saturated fat? And he, he gave me this diatribe. Now this is twenty twenty-three. And he could have been speaking in the nineteen eighties. He his his knowledge is so far behind. Mm-hmm. And he's the leading cardiologist in South Africa who's advising people what they should do for their health. Yeah. Why can't they just say, how's it work? Why don't you, I have, I'm, I'm trying to get this out. Dr. Nathan Bryan, I don't know if you've met him or not. He is the world's leading authority on nitrates. And he has been yeah. preaching this story with me about the dangers of statins for nearly 20 years. Yeah. And he continually runs into people in the cardiovascular world at Harvard and different places. And when they tell him that he's wrong, same exact scenario you just described, he just looks to him and says, well, how's that working for you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because if they yeah. evaluate their own trends and data, they can see it's not working. Yeah. Well, you know, you talk about Harvard. Now, Peter Libby is the professor of cardiology at Harvard, and I debated him in Cape Town. We had a long debate. And afterwards, the organizer, who is a cardiologist and is biased towards their opinion, he said, I think you won that debate. But anyway, Dr. Libby published a paper about 10 years ago, and it was titled The Forgotten Majority. So the question is, who's the forgotten majority? And this is the group of people in the statin trials. So these are clinical trials where the patients get statins and they followed for 5, 10, 15 years. And the forgotten majority is that, wait for it, 70% of those people who are on the clinical trials taking statins 
develop heart attacks or other cardiovascular problems whilst they're taking the statins. Now, what that means is that they have do not know what the cause of heart attack is, and it's got nothing to do with cholesterol. Because in medicine, when you remove the cause, the disease disappears. If the disease doesn't disappear, you're not dealing with the cause. So Dr. Libby has published a scientific paper disproving the cholesterol hypothesis. But what did he say at the end? Didn't say that the theory is the hypothesis is wrong and we have to start again. He says the patients are wrong. They're not taking their statins, which is exactly what you said. You didn't yeah. get your cholesterol low enough. You didn't take enough statins. So, Dr. Noakes, I speak. I've spoken on four continents. I've spoken in 48 states. And I, I, my, my speech is more geared towards uh, food production as a means of national security, no matter what country you're in. But I also speak about the myths in food production and particularly nutrition. And they're just two things that have driven me crazy. But one is the one we're talking about now, statins. And I used to tell this and people thought I was funny. And in fact, I thought I was funny. But now I know it's not funny because it's true. Every night on television, if you watch television, which I don't anymore, but they have a statin ad, some statin, Lipitor. Take Lipitor. It's going to tie up your cholesterol and it'll be good for you. And the next ad every single time is Viagra because men who take a statin have tied up their cholesterol. Cholesterol makes testosterone. They have a testosterone problem, so they have to take Viagra to fix what the cholesterol or what the statin just screwed up. And people thought it was funny because oh, that's kind of fun. It's true. That's exactly what's happened. Well, as far as, far as I know, seventy percent of the income for those for the mainstream media and the television <laughs> companies is coming from the pharmaceutical industry, and that's wow. That's why they're allowed to say that. Yeah. And but, then the, but Lipitor, Lipitor is one of the least effective drugs ever developed by humans. And that's that's simple. You can easily prove that. And I have to be honest with my radio and television audience. There's no question I get more than listeners who send me an email and say, I just came home from the doctor. They tell me that my cholesterol is too high. I need to take a statin. What should I do? And here's a rancher, a sixth generation rancher. My medical credentials are that I t- I've taken care of a million animals in my lifetime. And I tell them what you, I convey that from the people that I really trust, like yourself and Dr. Nathan Bryan, the statins are killing people. And yet they keep taking them and they're afraid not to do what their doctor says. And I think that's the culture we live in, that everyone's scared. Everyone's scared of everything. And they just listen to the experts and if you say something different, it's uh, it's not going to be believed. It, we just we've we developed generations of pure children and adults who simply don't talk, don't think anymore. I, I have a I, I gave a talk again last week, and I, I said the difference is there are two types of scientists: there's an authentic scientist, and there's an imitation scientist. Now, the authentic scientist does one thing: he he or she questions everything that he believes. He looks for the evidence to disprove what he believes. And Einstein essentially said that. He said that no experiment can ever prove me wrong, but a single experiment can prove, sorry, no no experiment can prove me right. But no number of experiments can prove me right. A single experiment Mm -hmm. at any time can prove me wrong. And I've built my career around that one experiment, which disagrees with everything else. And for example, the Libby 
article, when you see that, you say, okay, these things don't work. I mean, it's obvious they don't work. So what are the, all the, all the other evidence becomes irrelevant. It's totally irrelevant. Doesn't matter what happens. So again, coming back to the cardiologist, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> the cardiologist we spoke about earlier, he sends me an article this week. Keto diet is dangerous and you'll twice increase risk of heart attack by twofold. And this is an article that's presented or lecture at the American Heart Association. It's completely bogus. It's an observational study where they ask people, so tell us, what did you eat the last 24 hours? And this is one analysis, and those things are always flawed. And then they follow the people and they say, if you reported you had a low-carbohydrate ketogenic diet, you were much sicker than if you didn't. Well, of course, it's possible that the people went on the low-carb diet because they were already sick and they right. wanted to get lose weight and so on. But to him, he couldn't understand that. They look, they scratch and grab for one single study. So now just to, to follow the study up, the Lancet this week publishes a paper which shows that cholesterol doesn't predict heart attack risk, but inflammation does. And so I felt like sending him that article. What causes inflammation? <laughs> Type 2 diabetes. Yes. <laughs> Certified Piedmontese creating an opportunity for those in the cattle business to be part of the value-added niche marketing that is taking place around this country. Certified Piedmontese does provide that cattleman with a premium closer to the consumer's food dollar and, most importantly, a high-quality protein source like Dr. Tim Noakes and I are talking about here today. Details about all of that can be found at CertifiedPiedmontese.com. Welcome back. Roll route to the program. Trent Luce alongside Professor Tim Noakes joining us. Sitting here in listening mode, Professor Tim Noakes joining us from Cape Town, South Africa. Before we get into something big and we run out of time, uh, Tim, you mentioned your foundation for folks that may want to get more information or contribute or be a part of the solution. Where, where do they go and what do you suggest they do? Please just go to the internet and type in the Noakes, the Noakes Foundation, N-O-A-K-E-S Foundation, and that'll take you to our website and that'll give you all the information. Tell us what we do, a lot of information about the low-carbohydrate diet, uh, the problems I've had, the things that I've done in my life. It'll, it's, there's quite a lot of it there. Uh, I do want to spend just a, a minute or two. Uh, what what ended up with your trial? How did that turn out? I won 13 nil. So there were 13 decisions. The first was 10 nil. And then they they appealed, the prosecution appealed the case, and I won another three, de, three decisions. So we won outright. But we had to because... <laughs> The problem was that I tweeted a seven-word tweet which said that you should raise your children or you should wean your child onto high-carb, low-carb, high, sorry, low high-fat diet, i.e. real foods. Mm-hmm. If I'd written real foods, I would have been fine. But because I said low-carb, high-fat, and at that time in 2012, it was considered dangerous diet, as it perhaps still is. And so, but the dietary guidelines in South Africa, written by the person who was my chief prosecutor, the chief key witness oh. for the prosecution, wrote the South African dietary guidelines. And the South African dietary guidelines for weaning say 
wean your child onto meat, fish, dairy, eggs, at least once a day or as much as possible or as often as possible. So this is exactly what I said. And so they they made up a case because it was never about the nutritional advice. It was the the industry, the cereal-based industry and the ultra-processed food-based industry just wanted to shut me down because they're, they're the ones at great risk. That reminds me of Dr. Lindsay Allen, who, when I talked to her, she was at the University of California, Davis, and she spent two years in, I believe, Kenya, and she did research on children who had a high-fat, high-protein diet compared to those that had the normal diet in, in Kenya, and basically, their IQs were twice the level of the kids who were not. And the USDA sponsored this entire project, Dr. Noakes. Mm-hmm. But she will, to this day, not join me on the air and talk about it because she, when she came home from Africa, South Africa, she talked about it initially and she got such pressure that mm-hmm. she just simply went silent. But the data was there to prove it feeds the brain. And we're talking about high fat, high protein, meat, animal protein feeding the brain. And it just sits there on the shelf. Nobody wants to touch it. And you won't believe that I quoted that report in Time magazine saying showing exactly that. I didn't know who the lady was who did the research, but there is an article saying everything you said, exactly the same. And in fact, here in Cape Town, we're currently doing a clinical trial exactly of that, increasing the poorest kids, giving them high-protein, high-fat diets to the point that we can afford it and to the point that that they can change the diet appropriately. So we're actively researching that at this very time. And I was yeah, so influenced by that that research. I, I talked to her and she was willing to talk to me, but she would not go public because she had been attacked at her home, in her personal yeah. home. And yeah. so she just, she was like a turtle. She pulled back. That's how severe these attacks are. The other thing that I wanted to dedicate as much time as possible is the data is pretty clear now that cancer, which continues to be an ever-growing issue, feeds off of sugars. And there is a tremendous benefit in starving cancer. And again, you have to dig to find this, and people are not readily just admitting it. Yeah, so Sam Sam Apple, I'm not sure if you've read his book or had interviewed him, but you need to. He wrote the book Ravenous, which is exactly that. It's a search for the mechanisms causing cancer. And he takes the story of Otto Warburg, who in the 1930s in Berlin said that the metabolism of the cancer cells is different and they burn glucose. That's what he said. They have a special capacity to burn glucose. He was doing fine. Of course, the war came and then along came DNA and we now knew DNA and genetics. And so all of it, cancer was now a genetic disorder. And it's absolutely been proven that it's not, that you're not genetically predisposed in a way that we can measure and predict. There there must be genetic predisposers, but you've got to have the initiator. And in my view, the initiator is exactly as you said. It's an insulin-resistant person and high-carbohydrate diets. And that's becoming more and more evident by the day. And the role of of nutrition in preventing or reversing treating cancer is becoming more and more apparent all the time. And I suspect that there is work showing that reversal of 
of cancers with particular interventions, and they've been completely suppressed for the same reasons that they always happen. This should be common knowledge. Every medical professional should be waving this flag and letting people know. And instead, what I see in traveling around the United States, which I've not left the United States since the the debacle of the COVID, the girth. I mean, if I was putting a cinch on the people, my horse cinch on people, I'd have to lengthen it out a couple of steps because the girth of the American public continues to grow. And this has to be a direct result of everything we're talking about right here, including the intended destruction of the immune system and demonizing the very foods that feed proper gut health and immune system. Yeah. I apologize if you can hear bleeping, bleeping. We've got lockdown, I'm sorry, electricity lockdowns and the power's just gone off and and my battery tells me it's unhappy because it's running down, but (laughs) we're going to make it to the end of this discussion. Okay. Uh, Well, okay. Before you, before you finish that discussion, um, why do you have internet and you have intermittent electricity? What's going on with the power? Yeah. yeah, So that, because (laughs) just like there are criminals running many countries, we have lots of criminals running this country and they, they attacked the the provision of electricity. We used to be world leaders in electricity provision. And over the last 15 years, we've completely lost it. And now we're not producing enough electricity to give everyone the electricity they need. So we have periods of four to six hours a day where we don't get any electricity. And so that's that's the problem. I, I believe that's tied in with this whole discussion about COVID yeah. diet and disease. I, yeah. I think it's just another part of that trying to control people's lives. And everybody's going to have intermittent electricity at some point in time very soon. Yeah, I agree entirely with you. Absolutely. And again, it it comes back to meat and it comes back to cows and green, the so-called green revolution and net zero, which is all nonsense eh? There is no climate crisis. There's no evidence whatsoever. There may be degradation of the environment and there may be pollution, et cetera, et cetera. But humans can't influence the environment, the climate to any extent. That's controlled by other factors. Humans can't perceive what an enormous, uh, what an enormous globe this world is. And it's, it's homeostatically regulated. And if things change here somewhere else, there's a, there's a change. But the greatest control of our our climate is what's happening in the sun and other areas and how far we are away from the sun and how close and those sorts of things. To think that carbon dioxide in the air or methane in the air, which is in such tiny, tiny, tiny proportions, can have any influence on that is ridiculous. And what, what they've done is they just take the last hundred years, but they don't go back a few thousand years, like uh, 9,000 years ago, Pennsylvania was under ice. Now, no one ever tells you that, <laughs> that that these things change. When I get into that big discussion with, uh, and I, it just happened at Oklahoma State the other day, I had a professor who was challenging me. I said, basically verbatim what you just said. Mm-hmm. And he came up to me and he said, you really don't think that carbon dioxide is influencing climate change? I said, no, we have 447 parts per million of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere and its purpose is to feed plants 
How do you feel that it's contributing to climate change? And if you want to talk about climate change, do you think the day the Grand Canyon was created, that it was a wonderful, peachy, environmental friendly day? No, that was some pretty serious stuff taking place. And there were no humans here emitting something that you think is influencing CO2. But this is a professor in a university. Dr. Tim Noakes, I don't want to occupy the last two minutes. I want to make sure, again, that people know where to go find the Noakes Foundation and any a profound parting bits of wisdom you want to share with us well just thank you for having me and just to give the opportunity for saying that nutrition is key and the key for each human on nutrition is very simple you have to work out exactly how many grams of carbohydrate you can eat each day and as long as you're below that amount then your health's going to be fine that is so crucial we we are simply not designed to eat carbohydrates we are designed to eat meat and dairy produce, and lots of protein, and lots of fat. And that's how our gut is designed. It's not designed to cope with high-carbohydrate doses every three to four hours. We simply can't cope with that. And when you do give your body lots of carbohydrate every few hours, you spike your insulin, you spike your glucose, you drive the glucose into the fat cells, and you can't access the fat because your insulin is too high. And then you get fat in all your organs, you become increasingly insulin resistant and ultimately you develop metabolic syndrome and type 2 diabetes. And the only solution is to cut the carbohydrates to the minimum amount that you can cope with. That's the key. And it's, it applies to every single person on this planet. You've got to find out how much carbohydrate can my body cope with. And it doesn't matter that someone else can cope with 600 grams a day if you can only cope with 25 as I can, that's what you have to stick with. My final part of bidding of wisdom in the World War II era, U.S. farmers were asked to up their lard production. They wanted more lard because lard has tremendous value and lard should be consumed more than it is today. But that's yeah. not the point. The point is, do you know what farmers did to pigs to increase lard production? Gave them carbs. <laughs> Gave them more carbs. And Perfect. skim milk. <laughs> yeah, and skim milk. That's exactly what they did. Because <laughs> right. we had a use for the cream. Uh, thank you again, Professor. Uh, we're going to have many more conversations, no doubt about it. I want to remind you, what am I, protect the harvest. He, I just got distracted because professor is going to have to leave us for today but he will be back we'll finish up with our program later protect the harvest continuing to maintain a free and fed america get more details about how you can empower yourself and be a part of the solution that is the key you each need to be a part of the solution full details about a free and fed america and what it takes to achieve it it basically says you got to be well informed you got to be well armed with information and then stand up and be the voice in your community. ProtectTheHarvest.com for full details about that.